So we come to our Sunday morning. What a wonderful time to um, magnify Jesus, to worship God together. Uh, and as we've been looking at what it is to be a royal priesthood, um, we were looking at 1 Peter 2 yesterday about that amazing privilege that we are the people of God who can come into his very presence, who can worship God, who can minister worship to God, um, but also we have that privilege of bringing God to the world. Uh, and Peter and Angela uh, fantastically encouraged us um, at the end of yesterday morning, uh, just really lifted our expectations. I went away with so much faith and uh, so much kind of questions to myself about, wow, what does it look like to grow in that way? What does it look like to really trust God for those things? Um, I, I was so built up by that. But I've asked Valter this morning um, to encourage us uh, with thinking about what it means to declare his excellencies. That's one of the phrases in, in the passage. Or to, uh, yeah, declare his praises. And so um, why don't we give Valter a massive welcome as he serves us. Thank you. Thank you. Test, test. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. I think I'll. Uh, don't quite know what to say after that. I'm not often lost for words, so. Here we go. Well, it's a real privilege to uh, spend this weekend with you all, and uh, it's a real privilege to open up the Bible together. I was trying to work out, I think this is probably about my 125th preach or something like that at Life Church. Uh, for some of you who have sat through all of those, well done. If you stayed awake for all of those, well done. Uh, one more to go, and uh, it's, a, it's a real privilege um, to um, have served for so many years with you. It's been an absolute joy, and uh, I think I can't think of any greater privilege than opening God's Word together to finish um, that era uh, together. And um, as Luke was saying, we've been in um, the letter of 1 Peter. Uh, it's been brilliant diving into it together. I loved Luke's talk. Uh, I think you could probably all remember uh, the garden uh, he had over here, the, the tent. I think Dan crawling out of the tent as a priest uh, kind of going to stuck in my memory forever. Um, and uh, uh, the cross and the throne, how all of these things are uh, the big story of the gospel that Peter is introducing. Uh, I loved when Peter and Angela were talking yesterday about the presence of God. I am so hungry for more of the presence of God. And uh, I think you have lived a life dedicated to that, continue to be dedicated to that. Such an inspiration how you've let the church in that and many others. So uh, I said yesterday, I want some prayer from you. I want to grow in learning how to live more in the presence. I don't know, when you spend time with God, somehow you always want more, isn't it? And uh, I was singing a song this morning in preparation and uh, the lyrics are, um, the more I praise you, the more I want to. And it's a bit like um, the presence of God, isn't it? The more you taste of it, the more hungry you get for more of it. It's, it's, it's kind of uh, all-consuming. And one day we'll all be together enjoying that presence in the fall and uh, we get to enjoy of it, some of it already here now together. Uh, and today we're going to look at how the presence of God uh, has an overflow, it has an outflow. It's not something that's stagnant, it's not something that stays in one place, it's something that moves and it continues to move and it continues to overflow. So we can see with um, uh, Jesus going to heaven, he commissions his disciples and says, I want you to go all over the world, I want you to go and tell everyone about me. That's what um, we're going to be looking at later on, declaring his phrases in the whole world. 
Now you think what comes next would be a game plan, a strategy, a manual. But instead he says, I want you to wait. Now that does not make any sense, does it? When you've been preparing your disciples for three years, uh, you've, you, you, you've finished your work, you commission them, and then you say, I want you to wait. That just sounds naff, doesn't it? It's like being at the battlefront, getting all your soldiers ready, a brave heart running across the line. Roar! Let's wait. But what Jesus is saying is, I do not want you to run out unless you are full of the presence of God. I want you to wait for the presence of God. I want you to wait for the Spirit to come and fill you up. So they spend their time praying. They're hiding and praying and worshipping. It doesn't look significant, does it? But at that moment, when the Holy Spirit comes, it happens. They are filled, they are filled with joy, and automatically, they're not even looking for it, automatically, an outflow starts to happen. They start to praise, they start to make so much noise that other people come and wondering, like, what is this all about? They, they start spilling to the streets, they start to praise God together in all sorts of tongues, and people come and they're, what on earth is going on here? No one had a plan, no one had an idea, but the outflow started to happen. And then Peter stands up and he starts to declare the praises of God uh, for all the people, and then the outflow continues. The church is birthed, we can see a wonderful community that starts to live, that just attracts people. The way that they live just attracts people. People think, I want to be part of this. And then we can see, all of a sudden, things seem to go pear-shaped. Persecution comes. And the church is scattered. And you think, oh no, did God not see this coming? Um, uh, did all the plans go to pot? I mean, a few months back, I looked at this story with you when persecution comes. Imagine being part of the church in Jerusalem, gathering 3,000 in the temple, having the apostles themselves preaching to you. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in the outskirts of the Roman Empire with no one to lead you, no one to guide you. And that wonderful community is gone. You think... It has failed. The plan's failed, hasn't it? But actually what happened was the next chapter in the outflow has started. Because as they go, they take the presence of God and what they've had together with them, wherever they go, and they just gossip it over the back fence, over the counters, in their workplaces, and the kingdom does not get diminished. It multiplies. Wherever they go, it multiplies. Now, Peter's writing this letter right at this very moment because these people are scattered all over. And some of them have great days and some of them have bad days. And in the bad days, it's easy to forget what you've been commissioned to do, what you've been called to do. And Peter himself is writing from Rome. And it's not going to be long until he probably is going to have to face his end and until persecution becomes really nasty. When Nero gets his game on, uh, it's going to be a really, really difficult time for Christians. And Peter is writing them to prepare them, to get them ready and to remind them of what they've been called to. But he starts off by reminding them of who they are. So the first chapter is all about who they are. The second chapter is all about who they are, and then it continues to outflow from there. So when, why don't we read those verses again together in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You can probably memorize them by now already, but um, there's so much in there, it's going to be amazing to dive a little deeper. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, nation God's special possession. possession. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the people are scattered all across the empire. They're persecuted. They had to flee their country and they've gone all over. Now, if you paid attention over the last few months in the news, we've seen this happening, haven't we? The war in the Ukraine has done this all over again. Some of you here actually have experienced that and had to flee your own country to go to another country. They've been scattered all over. And it almost seems like uh, to, the, to the Jewish people, the, 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 the Christians, um, when, when, they, when, they, when Peter used the word chosen, it, it almost has a little bit of a bittersweet taste to it. Because actually, these Christians were chosen to be put in jail. It was like they were picked upon. And most of the Jews that had fled did not feel like the chosen possession of God. They felt like the selected, picked-on people from the universe, despised by everyone. Now, when you're in that situation, you need to be reminded of who you are. Uh, For those who have fled their countries and, and find themselves in all sorts of awkward places, you need to know that God has not forgotten you. You are not people who've been picked on by the universe. You are chosen, picked upon by God for his grace. And when you're in the thick of things, when you find yourself suffering, you need to be reminded that you were chosen by God. Now, chosen comes with perspective. A little while ago, um, we, we got news, uh, Lika, our, um, uh, one of our daughters, young, yeah, second youngest daughter, uh, came home and, and she said that she was selected for the gym squat. Now, Simone and I looked at each other and we kind of wonder, how did that happen? Um, I, I mean, I've been trying to learn how to do a handstand over Christmas and I'm still going. And I've got some embarrassing videos to show you that I still can't do it. Uh, for, some, for some reason, we do not have very good gymnastic skills in our genes. But somehow, one of them has, has kind of developed this over time. And uh, we thought, wow, wonderful, this is great. Uh, and then she said, um, I'm going to have to start training uh, six hours a week. Okay, uh, all right, that's, that's a lot of hours. Um, and uh, so she, she's been going every Monday afternoon, every Friday afternoon for three hours after school. I mean, this is big dedication. And um, a couple of weeks ago, she came home and she was absolutely knackered. And she said, Dad, I went to do gymnastics because I thought it was fun. They just make us do hard work all the time. So, wow, yeah, that's being selected for the squad, isn't it? So we we had a little conversation. We said, well, if it's too much, then, um, I mean, you can choose not to do it. You don't have to do this. The fact that you're chosen doesn't mean that that you have to do this. Um, But uh, she had a competition coming up the following Saturday. We thought maybe it might be nice after those four months of working really hard to do that, just so you can experience a bit of the joy before we kind of decide. So and she kind of said, yeah, I'm probably going to stop, but I'll do that one first and then we'll decide after. So um, we sat a very uncomfortable two hours on very plastic uh, chairs uh, in a room that did not have much inspiration, but uh, there were girls running around doing gymnastics everywhere and uh, we felt like the proudest parents on the earth uh, cheering her on and, uh, and then came the moment, the medals. 
And uh, we kind of look at each other like, we have no understanding about gymnastics. So we don't know whether she's done well or whether she's done terrible. And like, you don't know what to expect, really. So um, you get all these children come forward and they've kind of been uh, coming up on the stage and receiving their medals. And you can just see little Lika sitting there. And there seems to be no order in which the, 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 the awards are uh, being handed out. So you don't know whether her category has already been or still coming. And um, we kind of talk to one another kind of like, come later and later and she hadn't received anything and there were all these kids sitting with all these medals around there and we kind of said, oh gosh, it's going to be a bit of a hard conversation, isn't it, when she comes back? So it'll be, be a hard life lesson, but it'll be good. And uh, she'll probably never want to go back to gymnastics after this. But, um, uh, and then all of a sudden, her category came up. And she got called forward four times to get the, the golden medal. And she, uh, she got the, the big trophy at the end because she came first in her group. And uh, again, we looked at each other like, how on earth does this happen? I don't know, but um, uh, it was wonderful. It was just this moment. And then she came home and we had a little conversation. She's like, Sue, what about gymnastics? What do you mean about gymnastics? Well, uh, do you still want to continue? Of course! Um, <laughs> All of a sudden, it, it all changed. Now, in that moment, perspective is what you need. And sometimes being the chosen people of God comes with a lot of hard work. You've been going to the two hours a week, three hour sessions, and you've been doing a lot of suffering. And you think, I thought this was supposed to be fun. I mean, look at the people that would be scattered all over. They would have not been thinking about the intense privilege. But they had to be reminded what they were chosen for. And what they were chosen for was not to be hard work. Uh, it wasn't just for the suffering. They were chosen for a great reward. A great reward. And that reward sets everything in perspective. And what is that reward that Peter's talking about? It's being a chosen people. The chosen people of God. Now, when you're going through the thick of things, when you go through suffering and challenge, we need to be reminded that we were chosen. We were chosen to be the people of God. Now, what an intense privilege that is. When we look through the Old Testament, that's what everything's been building up to so far. We started with Abram. He was chosen by God to be a holy nation. He, he was an old man, barren. He had nothing. But God decided to lavish his love upon him. And he said, through you, I'm going to birth a nation. Now, then we can see it developing. And it's, it's a little curious. You, you would have thought that God had made the wrong choice. Abraham. It's, it's not like the natural candidate. It's not like God had an interview round. Let's look. Who would be the most fertile person on earth that could birth a nation? Let's see. Let's find that couple that could produce dream children with, I don't know, the perfect DNA. Abram and Sarah, barren, old, marriage problems here and there. Um, no, I don't think that's quite going to be. Oh, no, you are going to go for these? Really? Okay. Well, God sets the plan in motion. Then we can see a miracle happens. Isaac's been birthed. You think, yeah, maybe this does work. And then you see the family coming out of that. Oh, my days. 
That is a dysfunctional family if you read through the Old Testament. It's almost like a gossip magazine when you read through all the mess that they're in. Uh, Jacob, oh my days, like this is family crisis. Um, a, 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 a really dysfunctional family. Um, parents with favorites, brothers that don't get on. I mean, this does not look like the plan of God. This does not look like the chosen people. God, what went wrong with the interview, right? And then things develop from there. We can see that a whole nation is birthed and the mess just multiplies. It just multiplies. And we soon discover that when God talks about a chosen people, it's not like he's doing the big um, Great, Bit- uh, Great Britain's Got Talent show. He's not looking at the people who've got it all together who could be best at representing him. He is almost looking at people who kind of are a mess, who could be a showcase for grace. Now, when God talks about a chosen people, he's not looking for people who are the natural candidates that come up in the interview. He's looking for people that are so messed up that his grace will be very evident when things do turn out good. Now, that's the reality for all of us. Have a little look around. Have a little look around. You are the messy family of God. I can, I, can, I can reassure you, you did not get selected through the interview because you had it together. You were selected through the interview process because God's grace is going to be most visible in you. It's when people look at you, they think, well, if God can do it with him, then he can do it with me. That's what we're like. Now, we went through this process when we adopted Tesco. It was a heartbreaking process. Um, you, you kind of get put on a list, lots of training and all sorts of things. And, and then um, they, it kind of comes times for the selection process. And uh, you basically get handed this website full of children that have got no place to go. And they kind of say, well, just go through that website. And story after story is heartbreaking. And you go through this process and, 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 and your heart starts to get gripped. Now... We had conversation with our social workers and they kind of asked, why do you want to adopt a child? You've got three lovely ones. Why would you want more? Four? Really? Um, well, our approach was that we wanted to give a child a chance that wouldn't otherwise get one. So when we went through the list, we didn't go through the candidate list thinking, what would be the perfect child that would fit in our family? What's the one thing we're still missing? We've got a gymnast. Um, maybe we need some, I don't know, brains or intellect or whatever. Um, what are we still missing? That's not how we went through the process. We looked and we thought, which child would drop off this list soon? Which child would likely not get a place? And then we met Tesca. And it was a wonderful process going through this. We came to visit her foster mom for the very first time. And she said, I, ca- I cannot believe it. We thought it was over. We thought her time was gone. Uh, most children who pass the age of four do not get adopted because they're not cute and little anymore. And um, she came with some baggage, health baggage, mental baggage, all sorts. And um, these are usually the children get left behind in the system. Now, when we went through that process, we start to experience a little bit what it's like how God goes through the process of selecting his people. 
Our heart went out instantly to her. Not because she had something that we didn't have already, but because we felt compassion. And God feels compassion when he looks at his children. Not because you're the ideal fit. God looks at the nations and he goes, which people would be dropping off the list? Which people are dropping off everyone's list? I'm going to take those. I'm going to offer those a place in my family. Adopt them. That's what it means to be a chosen people. A showcase of grace. Now God chooses us not just to be his people. He chooses us to be his people and his mission to the earth. It said that through Abram, God's plan was to bless the nations of the earth. And that's what we are. We are the strategy of God to bless the nations of the earth. Now, when you look around, you kind of think, oh my days, how on earth is that going to work? We, we need brains, we need intellect, we need money, we need all sorts of things. And, and God say, no, no, we don't need that. I need to have people that I can showcase when it comes to grace. And my plan is to make them a royal priesthood. Now, we've been looking at this phrase for quite a few times over this weekend, and it almost starts to sound familiar. But back in the day, when you heard the phrase royal priesthood, it was almost like a contradiction in terms. Because kings and priests were strictly separated in the Old Testament. They were not allowed to function. The priests were not allowed to rule, and the kings were not allowed to minister. It was very clear. And, and there were a few that neglected that and paid for it sorely. Saul thought um, he couldn't wait for God when uh, the time came to uh, make a sacrifice. And he thought, I'm going to do it myself. I'm the king, but I'm, I'll just do this. And God was not pleased with him. Then we read about another guy in the, uh, in the Old Testament, another king. Um, his name is Isaiah. Isaiah is a great king. Uh, the, the nation is in a mess and he, he brings it back together uh, and uh, he destroys all the, all the places of worship to idols. He brings restoration to the country. You think, this is God's man. This is God's king. Now he got it in his head a little bit because he thought he was such a great king, he could also become a priest. And then he went into the, in, into the temple and he went to bring a sacrifice. He thought, God is so pleased with me, I no longer need priests, I can do this myself. And the priests come in and say, you do not want to do this, you do not want to do this, you do not want to do this. Oh my days, he's just done it. And then God's wrath comes and he becomes leprous. And for the rest of his days, he's isolated, rejected, neglected by the people because he did not listen to God. The priesthood and the kingship was supposed to be separate. Why? Because that title was only reserved for one person that would come, Jesus. Jesus would become the only king who would also be the priest. And because of that, in the Old Testament, we can see that these two were separated. But through Jesus, we can see that um, uh, we, we get a picture of what the true king and the true priest looks like. That becomes our blueprint. Now, Jesus became the king um, who had the reign of everything, the reign of the whole universe. But when he came down to earth, he didn't go and lord it over everyone. He laid down his crown to serve his people. He would become the true king that would not demand his rule. He would lay down his rule to serve his people. And he would become the priest that would not make endless sacrifices for his people, he would become the priest that would become the sacrifice. He would be the king 
priest sacrifice for all, not for once, um, not for many times. Uh, once and for all, it says in Scripture. He would be the king priest that would die on the cross, lay down his crown to become our sacrifice. And now through him, we become royal priests. I mean, when the people read this, they would have sounded outrageous. A king, I mean, there was only one person in the whole country that would be selected to be king. And there was only one priest who could go in once a year into the presence of God. And now these two come together for everyone. Everyone gets to be royal priests. This is not a nice fluffy phrase for when you feel sad one day. This is outrageous privilege to be entering into the presence of God and to extend his rule on the earth. That's your calling and that's my calling wherever we go. Now, how does that work? Well, to be a priest and to be a king, there's two aspects that we are called to. We are called to rule and we're called to minister. We looked at that yesterday. Now, what does that mean? Well, we have had a calling to rule right from the very start. When Adam and Eve were created, it says in Genesis that they were created to rule over God's creation. It says in 1 Genesis 26, through working it and taking care of it. So work, there's a sense of calling, a sense of purpose that we all carry to rule, wherever you're positioned, whatever that may look like. Now, for some of you, that might mean that um, you are called to rule over a family. You're a homemaker. That's your place to bring shape, to bring care, and to rule. Now, some of you, uh, uh, like, you need to hear what I'm not saying. Ruling does not mean being the one in charge. Ruling, according to Genesis, means to take care and to work it. Some of you are called to rule businesses, to take care of it, to work it. That's your area where God has given you gifting. Some of you are students. You are called to work your intellect and to learn and to be a blessing to other people. For some of you, um, it means delivering packages. My Amazon deliverer is, is the person who probably shapes a lot of my day when he comes through, <laughs> knocks on the door and has that package that I've been waiting on for such a long time. This is important. And when he comes, he always has a smile and a nice word to say. This is an area of influence of ruling, of creating, of shaping. Um, some of you are academics. Um, uh, some of you are retired and you think you've finished your work. Well, welcome to the family. To be part of God's family never means retirement. Now, it may mean that you go and re retire from one thing and do something else, but we're all still called to shape and make and work things. Um, some of you, you're out of work at the moment. And, and there's something devastating about that because you, can't, you don't have a place to bring shape and to create things. Well, I've got news for you. You don't need a payslip to create things and to shape things. If you are waiting for employment and you can't find something at the moment, um, there's loads of opportunities for you to bring shape and to, to rule things and to create things. Ultimately, our reward does not come from a boss or a payslip. It comes from God, whose image we're created in. Now, next to ruling, we are also called 
to minister. We looked at that uh, yesterday. So Adam and Eve, they were called to create, to shape, to work the ground, and then they were called to walk with God in the cool of the day. It says in Genesis 3 verse 8. They were made to do, and then they were made to be. And that's what we're called to do. We're made to do, and we're made to be. We're made to be with God, to minister to him, and to minister to others. And we can see that that comes through the presence of God. That's what we looked at yesterday. Now, our doing must always flow out of our being. Otherwise, our being starts to flow out of our doing. Did you get that? I know it's Sunday morning. Some of you look a little bleary-eyed. Our doing must always come out of our being. Otherwise, your being starts to come out of your doing. Now, if your being starts to come out of your doing, when you lose your job, you're going to be devastated. But if you're... If your, if your doing comes out of your being, then you can do even if you don't really have a purpose. So if your purpose is taken away, then your identity is still there, and there'll flow new things from that identity. But if your being is in what you do, then it will crush you, because if you don't do well, then you're going to be devastated, and if you do do well, you're going to be proud. So our being with God is very, very important. Now we can see that throughout the Old Testament, both of these things get corrupted. Our rule gets corrupted, so we can see with the fall um, that um, uh, uh, Adam and Eve um, misunderstand what ruling means, and now it becomes a fight. It says that you will desire uh, to rule over your husband to Eve, and, and we can see that Adam uh, starts to rule in a very unhelpful way. We can just see mess developing. And we can also see that, that, that that being gets disrupted. They can no longer be in the presence of God in the same way that they used to. So both ruling and both ministry gets corrupted at the same time. Now we are a people who don't really know how to rule anymore and we don't really know how to be with God anymore. Doesn't that kind of sum up our world today a little bit? We can still see it. And it's just multiplied with all the mess that has multiplied. But God says, there's still hope. Because you're still called to rule, and you're still called to minister, and now I'm going to choose you as the royal priests who do both to redeem the world, the broken world. Now, Jesus has shown us how to do that by laying down our crowns to give ourselves and become the sacrifice. Now, that's what it means for us to become royal priests, to lay down our crowns and to be the sacrifice in order to bring rule and ministry into the world. So, an important reminder is that you are called and created to rule. Now, that means that nothing else should rule you. So in the New Testament, when, when, when Paul writes, is that, that, that there are many things that we can do and can enjoy, but we should not be mastered by any. That's what we are made for. We are made to be free. Now, if you are called to be a king and to rule and reign with Christ, it will be a contradiction when you will be ruled by something as little as sin or destruction. So, are there areas in your life that you can't do without? I, I, let me rephrase that. Which areas in your life can you not do without? Because all of us 
have a tendency to be ruled by things that were good gifts by God, but never meant to be the ruling thing in our lives. We are not meant to be ruled by relationships. If, if you can't be who you are, unless you're in a relationship, then, then, then it's ruling you. We can't be ruled by money. If we don't have what we want, we, we can't be happy. If you find yourself depressed because you haven't got what you, what you want, then it means that you're, you're ruled by something. Um, other things that we, we may enjoy. Um, I, I've been training myself over the last few years to do a bit of fasting. Oh my days, isn't it hard to fast? I suddenly became aware how much food rules my day. Right? Good thing, a good thing. Other things, work can become a good thing that becomes a God thing. Um, sex can become a good thing that becomes a God thing. Alcohol can become a good thing that becomes a God thing. Um, just little things. I mean, we've got so many things in our society that have addictive outworkings, isn't it? Now, what that addictive outworking is, is Satan trying to bring you under the rule of something. So you will not rule in the name of Christ. And for you, in order to rule in the name of Christ, we must learn to overcome these things that rule in our lives. We should not be ruled by anything other than the love of Jesus working in our lives. Now Jesus has given us rulership. Because it says in Matthew 28 verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Because he has been given all authority in heaven and earth, he bestows that authority on you and me to go, to be his tools on the earth. I mean, many of us forget this, isn't it? Sometimes you go through your day and, and, and you become a bit of a victim. You, you kind of act like a slave more than you do a king. Right? We all have that tendency, haven't you? We come home from a miserable day and we sit at the dinner table and we moan about everything that's gone wrong. And we kind of talk about the stuff that's ruling us rather than remembering that we were called to reign with Christ, that all authority has been given to us. So when we worship together, when we minister to one another, when we pray to one another, God has given us all authority through Jesus to minister to each other. So that means when you pray for sick people, we, we don't pray, dear Lord Jesus, may perhaps if it's your will, um, this condition improve slightly. We are to take authority over sickness, over death, over sin, over destruction in this world, not because somehow we're powerful, but because we are chosen by Jesus to usher his name into the world. And in his name, we have all authority. We have authority to cast out demons. We should not be afraid when Satan comes against us. There's a little story about um, Martin Luther and had Satan appearing at the, uh, the end of his, uh, his bed. He, he wakes up and he goes, oh, same to you, good night. And he turns over. I mean, most of us wouldn't really respond like that, wouldn't we? We'd be out of our bed screaming our heads off. But he understood what it was to rule with Christ. We are not under anything. Jesus is over everything. 
and you are called to be over everything. If you walk into somebody in the street and uh, all of a sudden the demon starts manifesting, um, you know that this is good news, right? You should not be scared by that because if demons manifest, it means they're on their way out. They like to be hidden and as soon as they manifest, then it means they have no place to hide. We should not be scared about these things. When we meet sick people, we should not be overwhelmed. We can pray. Now, it, it doesn't mean that, that we rule perfectly yet. There will be one day where God will restore his, this world and his rule will be ultimate. We still live in a fallen world that's broken and, and somehow we can see that a little bit breaking through already and sometimes we don't. Um, but we are not to take on the position as those who are under Satan's rule. We are under Christ's rule. And we are to bring his rule into the world. And then through the way that we rule, we are to lay down our crowns and become the sacrifice, just like Jesus did, to be the royal priest. We are called to be royal priests. And that means that the way that you rule comes through sacrifice. Now, that's not generally the way that we think ruling works, isn't it? If I get to rule, other people will have to make the sacrifices. Well, that's not what Jesus does. He's the one who rules, who brings the sacrifice, who becomes the sacrifice. So when you and I go out, we should not be those annoying Christians that always know better, that no one likes to spend time with. We should be most humble. We should be most humble and willing to sacrifice what we have for the world. The world should be so inspired that even though they disagree with us, they can't deny that something's going on. Right? So this is the way that we are called to minister to the world, to become the sacrifice. And wherever you do that, you are called to go. Now for us, it means going to Nijmegen. And that comes with a lot of sacrifices. It comes with sacrifices for us, for the girls, the stuff that we love. I mean, it's going to be putting in our all, all over again. And I've told you many stories about how we've tried to live like that all the time. But that's not an exception, my friends. You are called to the same you were called to be royal priest too. Maybe not in Nijmegen, but definitely where you are, wherever you're placed. And that may be in Peterborough for a little while, maybe somewhere else. It may be um, going to other nations in the future. But you are all royal priests. And you are all called to make sacrifices and to live with your all in. All in. It can't be, I'm going to hold this for myself and that God can have. Like, we lay down our crowns and we become the sacrifice. I don't know. You're like, there's no subtle way about it, guys. Like, that means you're everything, wherever you are. And you are uniquely placed in your place that no one else can reach to become the sacrifice and to become the minister that ministers to others. Now, we need to understand that we are called all into full time ministry. All of us. Some of you kind of think like, well, that, that's easy for you because you get paid by the church. Um, you're a minister. Um, yeah, but the Bible doesn't say anything about that. It says that we're all called in the service of Christ. We're all royal priests. And it's not like some get to be that a little bit more than others. We are all called to be that. Now, some of us get a paycheck for that and others don't, but we're all called to be royal priests wherever we go. And it's not like you work five days of your week and then you go and do ministry on Sunday you are called to rule and to minister wherever you go. That's why we want you to serve when we come together and minister to everyone. That's why when you go out into your workplace, you are called to bring shape and create and minister to the people. 
That may mean caring for your employees, their welfare. That may mean caring for people who open up the door and receive their little Amazon package from you. That may mean caring for the people that you are looking after professionally or being patient with your children. Um, you, your ministry flows in every day, in everything you do. You're called to bring the reign of Christ and the ministry of Christ. So when you've got a toddler that's misbehaving, you don't have a bad day. This is normal. And you have an opportunity to bring the grace and the reign and the ministry of Christ in that situation. Remember that next time when you've got marker pen all over your walls and you're trying to clean up some mess. These are opportunities, opportunities for God's grace. Now through this, we are called to declare the excellencies of God, uh, to declare his praises. So we read about that earlier on. It says, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the ESV says, proclaim the excellencies, the worthiness of God. I love that phrase. Now, um, uh, I wonder, what's your favourite movie? Your favourite movie. Just, just, just let it sink in for a minute. Turn to the person next to you and say, what's your favourite movie and why? You've you got to be quick. You're only going to get 20 seconds. Right, finished. You can talk about that later. Um, when you see a movie that you really, really like, it's very easy to talk about it, isn't it? You'll go into your workplace the next day, like, I've seen a great movie last night. You've got to see it. Now, I read in the news about a guy who, uh, who tried to break a record. He was watching the new Spider-Man movie, and he went to see it 240-something times because um, apparently that's the world record. Um, and uh, he had somebody monitoring him the whole time whilst he was watching because he could not doze off. He had to pay attention. Uh, now, how excited must you be about a movie to watch it 245 times? Um, I mean, I think you've got to be a little crazy, right? Um, but when it talks about us declaring the excellencies of God, we are the people who have watched the movie. We have seen the greatness of God and we can't help talk about it. If you watch Spider-Man movie 245 times, I bet you have a lot to tell about that movie to other people. When somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I've watched a great movie the other day, it's Spider-Man, new Spider-Man, have you seen that one? Yeah, I think I have. I know a few things about that. Like, we are the people who have watched the movie. We know God, we've seen him. And therefore, it should be very natural for us to talk about him, to overflow. When people go through difficult days and challenges in life, it should be natural for us to understand what they go through and to declare the praises of God, the excellencies. Now, if you went to someone and you said, I've heard about a great movie, I've never seen it myself, but I've heard great reviews about it. How do you think that conversation's gonna go? No one's gonna listen to a word you've got to say about that movie, because you haven't even watched it yourself. It's like the, the, the travel agent trying to sell you a ticket to Hawaii whilst have never been there. When we are the people of God, we are to be so full and understanding of what we're talking about that it should be natural and gives us credit. Now, when you talk about things, when, when people go through tough things and you haven't really lived in the reality and the rest and the peace of Christ and you're somehow gonna try and kind of help them 
Like, you know sometimes how they goes, go, go through tough. Uh, God's going to use all things together for good. There, there. Um, I, I, I know we're caught for suffering, but, but God's in control. There, there. Um, if you're not living it, like people are not going to be hearing it. They, 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 I mean, I mean this, is, this, is, this is not it. Like, we're the people who are called to be in God's presence. So when we're then entering into people's pain, we bring that presence with us. They see something in us. So when we then minister to them, it's real, it's authentic. We are called to declare his praises. Now, if you are full of the praises of God um, um, and, 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 and you, you do that in your own time with God and you spend time in his presence, you can't help spill a bit of that out when you go somewhere else. But if you don't spend that time with God and you go somewhere else and then the moment comes where you need to have something to say about whatever is happening and it, it's not going to be there. So therefore... Um, maybe try a little less hard about telling your friends and your family about Jesus. Why don't you try and get a greater glimpse of who he is yourself first? And I can guarantee you out of that, the rest will flow. Make sure that you read your Bible regularly so you know what you're talking about, so you know the hope that we have in Christ. Make sure that you spend time worshipping him. If the only time you worship God is on a Sunday morning, then you're missing out on something. This is supposed to be a normal reality of the Christian life. Um, if you only spend a few minutes uh, on a Sunday um, uh, just, just worshipping, like you're missing the whole week of being in his presence. I mean, we're not called to go to church on Sunday and then work the rest of the week. With This is all of life. And we, we get to be filled with the glory of Christ every day. We've got to fill ourselves up to be so our doing flows out from that. Watch the movie. Watch it over and over and over and over again. We should be the people that read our Bible for the 245th uh, fifth time, right? And we may need to ditch a bit of our watching movies or Netflix or other things to make time for that, to be with God and to make that a priority. Now that's why worship is, is a spiritual battle. So when you come to church on a Sunday morning, don't be surprised that there will be things popping up that will try and keep you in bed or not come to the church. It's that row you have over breakfast that kind of makes you feel unworthy to come uh, to a Sunday morning. Um, it's why your quiet time in the morning gets disrupted by little children uh, that are not staying in bed. Um, it's, it's why there's always something that pops up when you've got a prayer meeting going on or when you are supposed to come and gather with your life group. All of a sudden you feel knackered and you just need a night off. Well, let me tell you, that's just spiritual warfare to try and keep you away from enjoying the excellencies of God so it may overflow from you. Worship is a battle. It says, um, his, one of the songs that we sing, it says, his praise shall be our battle cry. Praise sometimes is a battle. And um, we were talking about that and yesterday. Um, Peter was talking about that. When sometimes you go through seasons in life where your worship is a battle. You don't feel like singing. You don't feel like declaring his excellencies. But you are called to bring his praises into the world. And as we start to declare his praises, it will start to flow. The reality of what you're saying will start to match up with your life. But we've got to declare them in order for them to flow into our lives. 
Um, we're currently on the house hunt. We talked about that. Uh, and uh, um, I felt God time and time saying to me, I want you to declare your, your praises about my provision before you can even see the fulfillment of it. And I've been so much like, I feel like an idiot standing in, God, thank you for that great house you're going to be. I'm just like, I'm picturing it in my mind. And I'm declaring my praises about God's provision. And then I've got a phone call and someone who says, how are you doing with your house? I'm doing great with my house. But we haven't seen anything yet. But I'm doing the declaring the praises part already. And I think all of you um, are called to declare praises. There might be areas in your life where you have not seen God's provision. You've got a unique opportunity to declare his praise in those areas. And then um, we have the opportunity to, through our lives, bring people out of darkness into the wonderful light. Now, this is incredible. I was chatting to a, a girl lives in the States, comes from Nijmegen. Um, uh, she sent me a little message through, uh, via our website online. And uh, I spoke to her and I said, uh, help me understand, like you live in, in, in the States, but you're from Nijmegen and you've sent me a message. And she was telling me her story. She grew up in Nijmegen, was not a Christian. Then she went to the States um, to uh, kind of pursue some sort of sports career and it all went pear-shaped. And, and then she says, I was there and there were some friends and they went to church. And to be honest, I greatly disagreed with anyone who went to church. Intellectually, I could talk about it for hours. And then she said, then something happened. This girl went through a crisis. Her dad died. And I watched her go through that journey. And I could see that she continued to be full of praises about God. And then I looked at my own sports career that went down the drain. And I thought, I'm jealous. I'm jealous of your joy. I'm jealous of the praises that you seem to have even when your whole life seems to be falling apart. It's in your darkness that somehow you maintain light. But in my light, I've got so much darkness. Now, this is the wonderful opportunity we have. When you go through difficult things and suffering, you have a unique opportunity to bring light into dark places so other people may glimpse that and become spiritually envious. I want that too. And this is how we can bring other people in. Um, and then it says, you're not a people, now you are a people, the people of God. You haven't received mercy, now you do receive mercy. We looked at that yesterday. I mean, that comes from the story of Hosea. Uh, Hosea was a prophet in the Old Testament and he was called uh, to marry a prostitute. That's a little awkward, isn't it? Yeah, you really sure you heard God on this? Yeah, and then she births him three children. And God calls, calls him to give them three different names. And they're rather odd names. I feel a little sorry for the children, to be honest. The first one is Jezreel, um, which means rejected. Rejected, time for dinner. It doesn't quite have a ring to it, does it? Um, the second one is Lo Ruhama, which means no mercy. Oh, please, Dad, could I have uh, some extra pocket money? No mercy. The third one is lo ami, which means not my people. Is that your child? No, no, not my people. Yeah. Three slightly odd names, but it was to signify the, the judgment of God on his people, that they were going to be rejected and that they were going to have no mercy and that they were not God's people anymore. And then we can see that Jesus has come to undo all three of those. Now we are a people 
that are adopted instead of rejected. We are a people that receive mercy through Jesus. And now we are God's people. A chosen people. A royal priesthood. That's who we are. And that's what God has done for us. And that's what he wants to do through us into everyone's life. So why don't we finish off by reading those verses again. And hopefully you'll never read them in the same way ever again without being reminded about this weekend. But you are a chosen people, a priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why don't we stand together and why don't we take some time to pray? Thank you, Jesus, for your incredible sacrifice. Thank you for the huge privilege of being your chosen people. Thank you that you have chosen us for your squad. Not because we have it all together and we've got all the perfect genes, but because we are the ultimate showcases of grace. Lord, thank you for the incredible grace you have brought into our lives. When I look around this church, I can see story after story after story of your grace. When I look at my own life, I can see story and story after mercy and grace. Thank you that your grace is endless. Your mercy is new every day. Lord, and we pray that you'll come and knit us into this wonderful chosen people, a royal priesthood. Lord, we wanna declare your praises into this world. Lord, we pray that you'll make us so full of your love, of your spirit, that we can't help bubble up. Make us a people that have watched the movie, Lord, and that are so full of it, that we declare it to the world, we pray. Just going to spend a little bit of time just to see God, to minister to us. And um, as we do that, I, I, I felt as I was preparing this, I think, that, I think there's, there's a couple of songs in the room. And um, I just want to take a moment just to ask God, if that's you, you'll probably start to sweat a little bit right now and you kind of feel like, ah, I think I've got something. I just want to invite you and um, uh, just come and sing over us. I think there is something to be broken open as we minister to each other. So we've got a microphone here. You're going to have to be incredibly brave to do this, um, but I feel that um, God's going to lead us. So if you feel that's you, then um, come to the front. And we'll take a time. In the meantime, why don't you start lifting your praises to God, all of you. Um, and, um, and we're just going to wait on him for a minute. Yeah? Don't you know you are my people? Don't you know that you are chosen? Don't you know I call you my beloved? You are my beloved and my beloved is mine. Don't you know that you are chosen? Don't you know that you are forgiven? 
Though you know that you are running free with me, you're running free with me through the fields. Come and join me, come and join me, run free with me, you are chosen. We want to dive into you, Jesus. We don't want to just dabble at the edges. We want to go full in, full in with you. Shall we sing that? We want to go full in, full in with you. We want to go full in, full in with you. We want to go full in, full in with you. I'm doing a new thing, a new thing in your lives. You will see breakthrough. It's time for walls to crumble. I'm doing a new upon your lives where you have seen barriers I will make a way I'm opening new doors I will bring refreshing to your soul where there has been disappointment I will bring hope so let the walls crumble see my power moving I will do a new thing I'm restoring hope he will restore your hope Let's just take a moment, I think, to minister to one another. I felt as we were drawing close to God, God is already starting to move things. So if you feel God's doing something, just, just open your hands. Let's just receive. If you see God doing something around the people, if you just feel God's presence doing something in you now, just raise your hand for a minute. Just raise your hand nice and high so we can see it. If the people around you, just stretch out your hand. Just pray a blessing. Just keep your hands up high. If you feel that God's doing something, then um, just receive. Anyone else around, just stretch your hand out. Just pray a blessing. Pray a blessing and ask God to continue what he's doing. So let's join in. Either if you've got your hands raised, continue to receive. If you haven't got your hands raised, then just stretch your hand out for someone else that is receiving at the moment. Jesus, we pray, come multiply what you're doing. Right, just continue to pray. Continue to fill in. I feel there's some specific people in the room. Um, you have been ruled by some things that you're struggling to break free from. Um, it could be very simple things, like you've tried to quit smoking a hundred times already and it's just not working. Or there's just something in your life that you've been trying to deal with and it's just, you're, you're struggling. You know that you're not really walking in that freedom. I just want to ask you if that's you, just open your hands for a minute. 
whatever it may be, but you just know that there's something still tugging you, still holding you back. Just open your hands for a minute. We say, Jesus, we declare the rule of Christ over every area of life, over every area of life. Lord, we pray freedom in the name of Jesus. Jesus, your blood overcomes everything. I pray against any strongholds, anything that holds us back to step into your reign. And Lord, I pray that you bind anything that reigns in our lives other than you at this moment and that you will bring breakthrough. You will bring breakthrough. In Jesus' name, we bind addictions to alcohol. We bind addictions to smoking, to pornography. We cast out any evil presence that seeks to grip hold of our souls. Anything that holds us tight. Some of you may even feel a tightness in your body right now. So in Jesus' name, release the presence of God. Come, bring freedom, liberation. Some of you, you've, you've been wrestling with a dark cloud over your head. And say, in Jesus' name, be gone. Amen. We pray for the sunshine to come through, through the clouds. And, and I, I see a picture of some people who just at home, um, really struggling. And, and I see you starting to praise, starting to worship, putting on worship songs, and, and you'll see the sun breaking through the clouds. You all of a sudden experience a flood of joy. Father, we pray anything that hinders us, Lord, will you overcome it in Jesus' name? Will you break the rule? Break the rule in Jesus' name. If you've got a deep desire to be free of something and you felt that, that that was for you, why don't you raise your hand and then we'll just get some people around you to pray for you, whatever it may be. If you feel, I've got such a hunger for freedom, I want more freedom, just raise your hand. You're going to have to be a bit bold to pursue it. So if you want that freedom, just raise your hand and we'll pray. There's a few hands going up, so if you see a hand up, let's bring it. Let's, do, let's minister to each other. Just as we continue to pray, um, just that, that verse in, in the passage, you will not be put to shame. In Christ, you will not be put to shame. It's just really important we know that. Then God's doing a few things among us and there's big stuff coming up. There's, he will not put you to shame. Um, at the beginning of this meeting, I thought God uh, put some words in my heart and um, quite uh, directly how Walter said, um, some of you might be sweating profusely with worries of you might have to share this. Um, so I've been here, especially when he said about singing. Um, but the words that he gave me are, have you not heard, have you not seen his goodness and his mercy, his goodness and his love? There is nothing stopping you. And I thought God say, 
there are some people here, and I know Walter has shared this already, but as a confirmation of God is speaking, because he said this to me at the beginning, there are some people here that are thinking, I could be doing more, I could be doing this or that, or I should, or I could stop doing this or that. And God is saying, there is nothing stopping you. Have you not heard, have you not seen his goodness and his mercy, his goodness and his love? He's a good God. We are safe in his mercy. We are safe in his love. It feels like God is dealing with um, hurt in a few places, um, but it's not... We're not out on the side of the road with no one to help. We're in the Father's arms. That's what we're doing right now. We're in the Father's presence because he's healing, because he's drawing close, because he's ministering, because he's caring, because he's loving us. It's good. It's good. Let's stay in that place. If you're being prayed for, do continue to be prayed for. If you want prayer, please ask for prayer. If God has spoken to you about something, but you haven't quite felt you've had it in you to ask for it, do, do ask for it. Um, I think the kids are coming back in a second. Um, technically, we're starting our next session in a minute. Um, but that's okay. We'll take a bit of a break because um, we're going to, end our weekend by lifting our eyes to Jesus, by taking communion together, by celebrating all that he has done. So um, if you're being prayed for, let's, let's keep the chatter just to a minimum so people can continue praying.